Running gives me a peace of mind. Running for me is sacred space. It is a space where I get to tap in to myself and really work through whatever I'm going through in an honest way because our lives are so busy and we're always on the go that we really don't have a chance to address issues that are happening. And so running brings me like an incredible sense of just joy and peace. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 49. Today, I have another clubhouse friend, Dominique King. Dominique has always been a runner. Running has intertwined itself in her life in various stages. Growing up, she used to run as a way to escape her home environment. She used to run and walk between towns, trying to make sense of why things shook out the way they did for her. In her older years, running was her way of maintaining an unhealthy view of what she thought her body should be. The beautiful chapter of her running journey began the moment she decided she wanted to live. She extended herself grace, as we all should. The grace that she now tells everyone else to do for themselves. She discovered healing through therapy and running was a vital part of it. Dominique and I connected via Clubhouse. The Runner's Lounge is a room that she holds twice a week. Her and her husband, Ken, talk all things running. She also has a website, blog, and a podcast. Please welcome Dominique to the show. Well, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. I follow you on Instagram and Clubhouse, which I haven't been on lately. And I love seeing your running posts. How did you start running? I've always been a runner. I would say that I started getting into running in a healthier way, probably about almost four years now. I'm getting to the age where I, where I think it's only been two years and it's been like seven. So uh, COVID, I think it makes things long. <laughs> Longer than what it is, it's 2020 never ending. <laughs> exactly. So it's been about, it's probably been about four or five years of me running with a healthier mindset. And what do you mean running with a healthier mindset? You know, when I first started running, I think like a lot of people who initially started was to lose weight. And that was the only focus. And I didn't go about that in the healthiest way. And I didn't have the healthiest relationship with weight. And so everything that I did that had to do with exercise centered around how much weight I could lose, right? Mm -hmm. Mentally, that's pretty draining. And I realized that it was starting to become a problem um, after talking with my doctors, after family members made comments, and just like my physical well-being was mm -hmm. deteriorating, even though I was running all of these miles. And so when I got pregnant with my daughter, my second daughter, I really started to fall in love with the run instead of just running because you know, I wanted to lose weight. I started falling lo in love with the process of the mental wellness that it gave me and the peace that it gave me. I was able to uh, 
shift the mindset. So and now that I'm thinking about it, my daughter is 10. So 10 years ago. Okay. So you say that you always ran. What started you? Because I know when I was growing up, I, I didn't run. Oh, I, I, I call myself being on the track team. That was a joke. But I didn't really run until I was in 2010. And what made me start then? It was on my bucket list before I was going to residency. No, it was 2001 and I kind of stopped and came back. But what made you start? You said you always did. Was it a family thing or people in your family ran? No, I, you know, I never ran track. People who ran track made fun of me because they told me I had my legs. I didn't have the legs for running. And so, <laughs> so I just really ran in my own time. And really the reason why I started running is because my upbringing was a very choppy a little chaotic. And it was easier to say I was going for a run than talk about my feelings or talk about what was going on. So running became an outlet that I could control and that I didn't have to answer questions about. I could just go and do it. And so that's really how I became a runner. So it was kind of an escape for whatever was going on. It was definitely an escape. I mean, I played basketball. That was great. But when you play sports where you interact with people, people can tell when something is wrong or something is going on. And when you run, it's just you. So running was this solo thing that I got to go out and do and just clear my head and get my thoughts together and deal with what I was going through uh, when I was younger. So did you initially start road running? I know you do a lot of trail running now. Did you start? I was on the road. I, I didn't know about trail running. I didn't know about trail running until I was an adult. I didn't even know that was a thing. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that later on with representation and all of that within trail running. But I definitely was a road runner. I was a treadmill runner. But I didn't come into trail running, really, really into trail running until about 20, 2017, 2018. What made you do that transition? Or do you still do both? I do both, but I definitely hands down run trail more than I do road. And why I made that transition was a couple of different reasons. Number one... I have a condition that basically my spine is deteriorating over time. So a lot of the road running impacts my my spine. And so trail allowed me to get out there and have a little bit more ease and cushion. Although I transitioned into ultra running, so I don't know how much ease and cushion I'm getting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other reason was I transitioned to trail because uh, running road, I had a series of events that would happen with being harassed while I was running. I found that when I run trail, there's a freedom out there. And not just a freedom like you're in the wild, but there's a freedom in my safety. And people often think that's funny because they're like, you feel that safe out there? And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I feel safer out there than I do running road. I got to wear what I want. I got to run in the way that I wanted. I got to just enjoy my time without really running through what could happen during my run. Although I'm always safe and, and I do always have an awareness. It's just it's more comfortable. In the, in the wild. So you said you were harassed. Were people just saying things to you or people physically trying to? Um... Both, actually. On some occasions, it's people who, you know, you're, you're a runner and a biker. So, you know, you have people, you know, yell things out the window. You have people try to stop you midway when you're, you know, doing something. But I've actually had instances where people have driven up on the curb, gotten out of the car, tried to grab me, tried to stop me from moving, have gotten angry with me. It's just a series of, of things that happen that I'm sure a lot of women who run, it's an unfortunate truth that we, we've experienced. I was just blessed enough to have an, a different avenue that I could utilize, whereas some women, they don't. The road is what they have. 
So did you just get up one day and say, I'm going to try this trail running? Yeah, I was scared out of my mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had all the natural fears. I like to say as a African-American woman or a person of color, we often think, and I don't want to offend anybody by this, but we often think, oh, well, that's other people's stuff. Like they go out in the wilderness. They go, you know, do mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, that's where scary movies start, you know? So I had a lot of hiccups with the idea of it, but I knew that I didn't want to stop running. I knew that I needed to find something that I felt safe doing, and that would be a challenge for me. And trail just it just worked. And my spouse, Ken, he was worried too, but he went out and did the research, found every piece of equipment possible that he could attach to my body so that I would be <laughs> safe, so that he could find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got out there and little by little, I didn't get out there and just shoot out, you know, 13 miles onto a trail. I started small. I started at three miles, then six miles, then nine miles until now I just did my 35 for 35. 35 miles. And that was all trail? All trail. Yeah. I had mapped the course out over a year and a half. Wow. That's amazing. So did you do a lot of research? You said Ken, like research about different gadgets and different things to make you safe. Where did you do research? Did you talk to people, um, you know, a lot of other trail runners as far as like what you need, like shoes and areas where you could run and just things that you need for safety? So the first thing that I did was I hopped on Google, like all of us do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's to like figure out when we're sick, if we're dying, because that's usually what what it tells (laughs) us. But I hopped on Google and I, I typed in trail running just to get an idea of it. Really, where I got the most information was actually off of Instagram. Okay. So I got on Instagram and I connected with other people who were trail runners and I just reached out to them and asked them, hey. I want to start doing this, you know, this running thing. I'm not really sure how to get started. Could you give me any tips? And I have to say that the trail running community, for the most part, was very open and very informative. And within, I'd say about probably about a week, two weeks, I had everything that I needed to know and buy everything to actually get get started out there. The most important thing was the shoes. What shoes do you typically run in? I got a favorite. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> my favorites are the Nike Wild Horse Sixes. Mm-hmm. They don't make those particular ones anymore. I think I'm in the the sevens right now. But my favorite were the six. And why I like those shoes the most is because when you run trail, what you start learning is it's not you just getting out there and running in dirt. There's different types of dirt. There's different types of landforms. If you're running somewhere that is hilly versus somewhere that's more flat, running somewhere that's a clay base versus a mud base, you know, and so the Nike Wild Horses, the tread that's on the bottom of them is a is versatile. So it gives me enough grip, whether I'm running on slippery gravel or if I'm running on sticky clay. It's just a, a very versatile shoe. So it, it is definitely my my favorite brand, my favorite shoe. And it's comfortable too? Oh yeah, it's comfortable. So what other things do you take on your run for safety from other people, wild animals, or other things that you will find in the trail that you won't find just typical road running? Well, I think the biggest thing, first of all, is whether you're road running or trail running, and I call it my safety kit, 
You need to make sure that you're comfortable with what you have and you're familiar with, with what you have. Don't just go out and buy things because you've seen a advertisement for it or somebody told you about it. You got to really test your gear. Also, when it comes to my safety kit, it changes based on where I'm running. Okay. Some spaces I might have a wire cutter because where I run is a grazing area. And I might need to get through some wire. I might get caught in some wire, like the fencing that's there. In emergency, say there's a fire, I may need to cut across and get out of certain areas. Wow. See, I wasn't thinking about stuff like that. Yes. I have a uh, fire blanket for certain areas, wire cutters. I do carry a taser. I have pepper spray. I also carry things like different forms of GPS that my husband can utilize to find me if need be. I also carry things for protection, like a pocket knife. I mean, there's a, a whole array of things I have. I don't, I'm not too fond about giving away everything that I use. People can always reach out to me, but you know, I got to keep the, the ones that want to harm me on their toes. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. One of the biggest things that I do recommend, especially for women runners, is to have a taser. What type of taser do you have? I have close range. It looks like a flashlight, but it's a taser. But you have to be close to people if I ever had to use it. I know there are some where you shoot and you can be farther away from people. So that's what I have. I have a taser that that shoots distance. So I think I want to get one like because I'm I got to be close. I figure like I need somebody I can who I can shoot. So because I'm scared every time I make sure it's charged. <laughs> when I charge it up, I'm like, if I ever get close to somebody, I'm going to be scared to use it. But, you know, you know what? That's an honest thing. Most people don't admit that. They think that they'll be able to just utilize it. Right. They think they'll be able to engage and think on their toes. But if you're not practicing with it. If you are not telling yourself, hey, I'm really scared of this equipment that I have, when it comes time to use it, you're still going to be as scared as you were before you ever even touched it. And another thing is making sure that you read the manuals, understand how to use things properly and the placement that's on your body. You know, it's one thing to have a taser, but if your taser is in your backpack, it's not going to help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you very much. You can't, yeah. you can't tell someone or an animal like, okay, hold on, wait a minute. So yeah, it's just working with, with what you have and being comfortable with it. If you're in a state where you can have a licensed gun, I mean, I wouldn't say don't. Yeah. Just know how to use it. Exactly. <laughs> know how to yeah. use it and where to have it on your body to access it. Because that's the most important part. So what type of animals do you see out when you trail runs? Or is it different, different places like bear? Or... There's no bears where I run. I mean, there are some places that are on my bucket list where bears are there. But um, usually what I worry about is cougars or mountain lions, coyotes. We have rattlesnakes. I think those are the only big, the real big threats. For me, the biggest thing is not really the mountain lions because I kind of steer clear of areas where I think I would encounter them by myself because I do a lot of running alone. Coyotes, for the most part, don't bother you as long as you don't bother them. Mm -hmm. The ones that are probably the meanest is going to sound funny are the deers. Really? The deers? Really? The deers and the cows are... Really? Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't think... I would think I wouldn't think I would see cows running, but I've seen deer certain places, especially when I run like down south when I'm down there for whatever reason. The deers are the, can I say jerk on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the deers are the jerks. Um, the deers and the cows. And the cows really, when you're in certain areas, it's mostly when their babies are out. You know, people tend to think cows are docile. They're not as docile as people would like to believe. So I definitely steer clear of them. 
Hmm. Interesting. You know what's funny is people that don't have interactions or with farm animals or don't have interactions with like bigger animals, when they see a cow, they're always surprised at how big they are. And I'm like, it's a cow. Yeah, well, I, I've seen them from <laughs> from the car, you know, like when I drive in rural areas and like when I go skiing, it seems like a lot of cows out in the middle of nowhere. So. Yeah, they are in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, people tend to, uh, they get surprised at, at how big they are. But they are definitely ones that you don't want to mess with. And the deer are definitely who you don't want to mess with. What is like one of the scariest incidents or if you have one just from running trail running? Human wise, I've had the experience of running out. I was on a run and it was a new route. I had mapped it out. But when I got out there, a lot of times what happens on trails is when they're not utilized by the main public, there's overgrowth and it gets kind of sticky. Like, you know, you're in a trail but you really don't have a guide as Mm -hmm. to where you're going. So on this run, it it came to that part where the trail had kind of grown over. So I figured, oh, well, I'll just be out here by myself. No one should be out there. Well, there was actually a man out of nowhere and he was living out there. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow he'd like just figured out a way to live out his best life in the wilderness. Okay. And we came, we collided. Because he was coming one way and I was coming the other. And I was so startled. Because you weren't expecting for him to be out there. Yeah. (laughs) And he was startled, but he was a bigger statured man. And in my mind, I was like, I'm I'm about to die. All of my scary movie nightmares is about to happen right now. And fortunately, he w- it was fine. I startled him. He startled me. And, and I kind of just hurried up and ran away. But in that moment, it reminded me how aware that I need to be because you get lost in the idea that you're by yourself. You never know if you're really by yourself. As far as animals go, the scariest thing with animals is actually almost stepping on a rattlesnake. Mm. I was out there just running and something told me that I needed to pay attention. Something told me that I needed to be more focused, but I just didn't listen to that intuition. And I was about, I'd say, less than three feet. So you know how when you're in stride. So I had put my foot up to go over Mm -hmm. and I just happened to look down and I pulled that foot back. (laughs) Because she saw the snake. (laughs) Because I saw the snake. And, you know, the truth is rattlesnakes are not an aggressive snake. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're they're not an aggressive snake unless you are pretty much in their area, step on them, get too close to them. You know, they feel like you're invading their space. So I just pulled that leg back. I let the snake have all that area and turned around and, and went the other way. Another instance with animals is I was actually trailed by coyotes. But I run with my dog, Storm. If you look on my page, you'll see Storm everywhere. And she alerted me to their presence before. So how does Storm alert you to their presence? He started barking? or No, so Storm can smell. Obviously, she can smell them. But mm-hmm. Storm runs uh, leash side to side with me. Mm-hmm. Or she'll, when she wants to be bossy, she tries to run in the front. But when she picks up my rear, I know that something's going on. Because she's going into a protection mode. And so she went to my rear. So it automatically alerts me that something is happening. I just don't know what. I stop and she walks over and looks over the hill. And then I look over the hill and I see the the coyotes. And they're just sitting right below me. And so they see her. 
she sees them and then they kind of just go about and do whatever they were going to do. When you're out there, I don't think people really realize that you are in the wild. So do you feel safer with Storm when you run? Almost definitely. I mean, how could I not? Storm is the best running companion and Ken will get mad. I know he will, (laughs) but he's going to get mad. It's fine. But Storm is honestly the best running companion that I could ever have. She gives it her all out there. She never lets down her guard. So I know that I'm always protected and she'll always alert if anything is going on. And she loves the run. You don't have to give her anything. You don't have to pump her up. She gets out there and she wants to run as hard as I do. And so I always feel completely safe with her. Now we have another dog, Lola, and she is lazy. So (laughs) I don't think she will be replacing Storm when that day happens. Season three, we will continue the new segment called Ask the Dog. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, go to my website, www.weouilife.com. Click on the tab, voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. Even though you mentioned this a little bit before, when you said in the last couple of years, you started running, I guess it was a different purpose. And I started running to lose weight initially too. Um, it was after my mother passed away. And I just from the depression, I gained a lot of weight. And I realized that it was more than just me losing weight. It gave me this feeling, this euphoria. Uh, what does running do to you as far as your mental and physical, not just losing weight, but as far as your, your body, how does it make you feel and what does it add to you? Running gives me a peace of mind. Running for me is sacred space. It is a space where I get to tap in to myself and really work through whatever I'm going through in an honest way because our lives are so busy. And we're always on the go that we really don't have a chance to address issues that are happening. We, we tend to address the symptoms when it starts to manifest physically, outwardly in our life. But a lot of times the issues are internally, right, that we're going through. And running for me is just sacred space. It's peace of mind. It's freedom. It's, it's an act of love, of self-love for me. And so running brings me like an incredible sense of just joy and peace and and just I'm getting all goosebumps. But when I talk about <laughs> running, it, it really I won't say that running was my therapy completely because, you know, it can't replace like actual therapy, but mm-hmm. it is therapeutic for me. Like, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't run. I know how you feel, and that's how I feel when I can't run. You and Ken run together. Couples run Friday. So tell me, is Ken a runner, or does he run with you? Or like, I love to see you guys together doing running, doing something you both love. I don't know if Ken loves running as much as you. Um, (laughs) But tell me about Couples Run. Couple Run Friday started out of a necessity for us to spend time together. Our lives are are busy, so. Running was initially my thing. Ken was not a runner. 
And I don't mean that. So anybody listening, I don't mean he wasn't a runner. Like he couldn't run as far as me. He couldn't run as long. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if I say, hey, you want to go running? He'd be like, "Uh, no, I do not want to go running. (laughs) But he asked if he could join me on my runs because he realized how much they meant to me and it would be time for him to spend with me. But he didn't want to impose on my space. So he didn't want to run with me every single day. He just wanted one day that he could uh, come along. And at first it was, you know, we had a little fires, you know, it was was, was getting used to because he was coming in on my space and I felt like he was trying to control my thing. And I was like, I don't like all that. He was trying to change your routine. Exactly. I was like, (laughs) if you want to run with me, you're going to come run and do the run I want to do, not the run you want to do. So, but eventually we learned how to compromise. We've learned so much about each other running together. And Ken and I have been together for 15 years. And I would say when we start running in 2019 together, the end of 2019 together, we have learned more in that space than we have in the time that we have been together. And that is huge. And so now he is a runner. He is definitely a runner. He's getting ready to run his 10 miler on this Saturday. It's a race? Yeah. So it's the Alameda 10 miler. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of him because he went from saying, I'll never run more than a 5K to now he's like, okay, I need to work up to get to my half marathon. All right. Are you running with him? Yeah, I'm running with him. But I'm more, I'm, re- I'm like more ready to go cheer him on and like, you know, do all that. It makes me proud to watch him go. It, it's, it's fulfilling because I've watched him fall in love with it. And that as a runner watching someone else fall in love with the run Gets you hype every every time, but yeah, couple run Friday is it's fun. We enjoy it. I know on your Instagram page as well as your blog, Lean In with the Kings. Can you tell me a little bit about Lean In with the Kings, the name and the the concept? Yeah, absolutely. So Lean In with the Kings is based around family, marriage, and fitness, and our blog is centered around getting more within our home life and my personal views of just, you know, being a mother, being a wife, and what that looks like for me. Uh, we are actually coming out with a, a voice blog for Ken so that he can share from a male's perspective, because I think that's important. I think it is, and we don't get enough of it, too. Right. Often us as women, we love to talk. So we'll give our opinion and our, you know, our two cents and our lessons, and the man's just over there like, mm, all right, okay, <laughs> you know, all right, that's what you said. So I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for him to reach that male audience that needs to hear his his perspective. But Lean In With The Kings started from a place of trying to tell a real story about what marriage and family looks like. I think for us, we had to learn that just because we were two adults, we had no idea how to do this marriage thing. And we had no blueprint. We had no one that we looked at and was like, okay, that's how you're supposed to do it. Because a lot of times in marriage, people keep their business in in their home, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. We're very private as well. But there wasn't enough information that let us know when we were hitting the humps that that was normal and it was okay and, and how to fix that. So really leaning with the Kings is just a space for us as a married couple to go, this is what marriage looks like in real time. And I think we need more of that. I think so too. And, and I really love it because we don't see, I say social media and mainstream media, enough positive black 
families. And I love what you're doing is particularly with the um, focus on fitness, particularly in African-American community, because I think we're lacking in that area as far as fitness and, and health. And it's, and it's shown in so many ways with different health indicators and not to mention health disparities, which is a whole nother discussion. But I love seeing you guys out there. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the on the head. It's, it's important for the the black community to see family, you know, family that's working, not just an image, because sometimes mm-hmm. we get caught up in what perfection looks like. And then when we get caught up in all of this perfection, when that perfect image fails, then we go, oh, well, there's no hope for me. There's no hope. I, how could I ever think about getting married or or being in a successful relationship when all that I saw was these perfect ideas and images crash and burn? Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to realize, especially within our community, we face some different variables when it comes with who we are individually as a black woman. When I go out into the world, there is a set of rules and a set of things that I face as a black woman. And there's a set of things that my husband as a black man faces. And we learn to be hard, right? We learn to put on a hard shell exterior. And then when we come together, now we're just two hard people that don't know how to be vulnerable and don't know how to emotionally open up. But we don't give each other cues how to be emotionally safe and secure because all we know, me as a woman, speaking for me as a woman, is how to be resilient, how to not break down how to be like step into the boss shoes of everything, learning and putting it out there that when you have a spouse, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay Mm -hmm. to take that down. And you both, it's okay for both to do that. And then on top of that, you need to be focused on your health because your health is wealth. You can Mm -hmm. gain whatever you want out there, but if you're not physically fit, you won't be enjoying it for very long. We say marriage, family, fitness, because those are the three key things that you, you need. I agree. I agree. And when you put that hard shell down, that's where you get intimacy. And that's what I think a lot of relationships or lack of relationships. That's the root of it. Lack of intimacy. Yeah. And, you know, even through our running and just to bring it kind of full circle, uh, when we started running together, we were able to learn each other in a way to be more intimate with each other. We learned each other's body language. We learned each other's moods. We learned each other's cues that said, I'm having a bad day. I'm not feeling the best. Whereas when it's two people that are just as busy as each other and they don't have time to slow down, it's very hard to see those cues. And that's why I encourage couples to work out together, spend that time together. It doesn't have to be running, but go on a hike, go on a walk, you know, We get caught up in thinking we got to go to dinner every time or the movies every time. And we really are. We're just on our phones or we're just surface level. We're never going deeper than that. So working out together, go do that. So you and Ken run. Do your your kids run as well? When they want to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we never force them. That's the biggest. That's one of the biggest things. Uh, I grew up in a household where it was do as I say, not as I do. Don't ask me any questions. I don't really need your opinion. So we're very, we're adamant about giving them choice. And, you know, we're raising young black male. My Well, my son's like, he's 20, he made 22. Oh my gosh, I got a 22 year old. Uh, he made 22 and my daughters are 12 and 10. And so 
I feel like for my daughters, it's important to give them choice because they have to know that they do have one. You know, we want our girls to be so empowered, but we strip them at certain points of time of things. And so we give them the choice. Do they get out there and, and do it sometimes? Yes, but they're pretty still, they're still intimidated by mom. They're like, if we okay. go around with you, what does that, what does that really mean? To run, <laughs> like, I'm not running 35 miles. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, all right, mom, you want us to, you want us to run? Like, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting into my interviewer mode now. I'm, I'm going to ask my question. Do you feel like running is something that has transitioned throughout your whole household? Like you started running or biking? No. <laughs> I started as an adult. So I was out of the house and it's funny. My family's in Mississippi. My parents have passed away at open, but my brother, um, and I have cousins and my best friend and my guy kids are in Mississippi. So one year I was going home for Christmas and I decided to go back to run a half marathon. And they had a half, I think they had a 10K, they had a kids run. So my brother was going to run with me and my best friend was going to run and my guy kids were going to run. So I came, it was like a couple of weeks after Christmas. So I came home. Did anybody do anything? No. <laughs> My brother did interview me. He works for a news station <laughs> for the news. I guess oh, well, that was sure, like after Christmas. They were still full. But I'm like, okay, y'all gonna tell me y'all gonna do all this, and like, no one did anything. <laughs> but my brother, he says I motivate him. He's done a couple of challenges, yeah. lose weight, you know, like fitness challenges. He'll work out, but then he's then he'll he try to start running, but he more walks his dog. As long as you're doing something, I always get excited when people tell me, they go, oh, I saw you run and I've been running, you know, and now that becomes the first thing that people say to me. And I mean, running is not my complete identity, obviously. I'm, a, I'm more than just running, but I do get excited at the fact that people see me on social media within my family or I've run into people that I knew when I was growing up that, you know, follow me and they're like, yeah, I started running because I saw you running or I went on a trail because I saw you go on a trail. And to me, that's like the highest compliment, because if you're inspiring someone to get out there and move their body in some type of way, like that's amazing. And then as far as it goes for representation, we need more of us out there in spaces that people normally don't. That's true, because if they see you like it kind of validates like I can do it if she can do it. So it representation really does matter. But people think I'm crazy, but they're like, like black people ski. I'm like, yes, black people ski. And like one of my patients was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I can show you pictures on my phone of a lot of black people skiing for my dress. <laughs> yeah, like we do, you know, we do everything. But not even on the end of people of people outside of your race asking. I always love when people within my like within the black community have questions because now you're sparking an interest, a curiosity best fire you can light under someone is curiosity because you can't quell curiosity. It'll always be nipping at your neck and it Mm -hmm. will be something in you that says, well, I got to try it. I got to try it. And so to spark that curiosity, it, it has been one of the, like I said, it's one of the highest compliments because when it comes to trail running, you know, when I first started doing it, people used to say, oh, you're crazy that, you know, that's not for black people. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I would just continually tell them like, just come, come and Mm -hmm. see, come take a hike with me, come take a walk with me and see why I love it so much. And I have yet to take a hike, take a walk with someone and them not insert that within their daily life. So I'm all for, you know, breaking the stereotypes and 
you know, I'll do it alone. I'm going to bring you somehow. Part of my podcast is having guests who have overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you've had to overcome, whether it be running, life, just in general? Half time, I'm a mess. So where do I start? <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm not that bad. Uh, one of the biggest obstacles that I do have to over, overcome, and that's medical wise, is I have an immune disorder. And I also have deterioration in my spine. And I've been told several times to stop running, to stop doing the type of running that I do because I do long distance running. I've had several setbacks when it comes to having uh, flare-ups or episodes where my body just is not my own anymore. I'm just kind of like a passenger. And so I've had to not only learn how to get over the hump, but be able to be in it in that moment and still be blessed and still have gratitude. Realize that this is a moment and it may be a long moment, but I'll get to the other side. And I think that's hard, whether it's injury, whether it's, you know, having what I have going on medically or whether even it's just the mentality, like when we hit a plateau, it's knowing like and believing that's the part Like you can say, oh, yeah, I'm gonna get to the other type. But do you believe it? And so I had to learn how to believe it. And I had to learn how to just be grateful and have an attitude of gratitude going through certain things. So how do you do that? How do you find that attitude or does it come and go? Some days you'd be like, I'm not going to make it. But then you'd be like, okay, let me just. Oh, yeah. I'm human. So there's some days when I'd be ready to start throwing plates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm human. But the one thing that I do recognize is when I am that angry or mm-hmm. when I am that frustrated, I started journaling and writing it down and then getting to the root of why I feel that way. When I started doing that, when I started journaling and acknowledging, because I'm the type of person that I'll put up a good face. You'll never know. Like It's like when they say, you'll never see me sweat. I'm that person. But I had to stop being that person to myself, if that makes sense, because now I'm just at that point, I'm just lying to myself. Right. And so there's nothing wrong with putting on a good face face and getting through it and being resilient. But in your quiet time, if you can't acknowledge what you're feeling, if you can't say I'm hurting and these are the reasons why I'm hurting or I'm frustrated, or I'm angry, then you're just going to be mad all the time. And I had to do that because I didn't want to be mad or depressed all the time. I guess the answer would be getting honest with myself. Good. I don't have an autoimmune, but I've had several injuries and it seemed like one after the other of the last, the last year. And, and some days I'm like, okay, is it worth it? And some days I'm like, mm. okay. But I had to kind of like the last couple of weeks step back and realize that I'm going to make it. This, this too shall pass. I'm just going to be grateful and try to enjoy the moment for whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the, you know what, what I have learned is, uh, and I, this might not be you, but uh, sit down. <laughs> That's true. But, but we don't know how to sit down. <laughs> that is our problem. We do not know how to sit. <laughs> we will be injured. And the doctor will say, you have three weeks. Don't touch that bike. Don't touch that ground. Don't touch that, them shoes for three weeks. And a week and a half in, we'll be like, well, you know, 
the doctor don't really know me. I know yeah, my body. I know. That's why I asked specific. I'm like, I'm a bad patient, and I'm going and, and and I'm going to want to do. So what what should I do? What should I not do? Basically, is what I'm really asking. Yeah, we got to learn how to so. sit down. The last time I saw all the red flags, I knew I knew my body was spiraling, but I was so bent on doing what I wanted to do and not listening that I ended up being on bed rest and and for a time being not being able to walk because I didn't want to listen. And so when I was able to, when I was sitting in that bed, like, look what you done done. Look what you done done. You can't blame nobody else. Then I said, I got to listen. I got to sit down. And when I was able to get back out there, it was the healthiest return that I'd had. Don't be like me. Don't wait till you can't do nothing to listen. (laughs) I've been on a bike with a boot on before. (laughs) I mean, it was a stationary bike. It was a stationary bike, but. I think you even posted that before. I was I was like, no, she didn't. <laughs> Might have. So I'm, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do better. Yeah, we just got to listen to ourselves. But, you know, we're hard-headed. So if a present day Dominique could go back and give words of advice to your younger self, what would you say? I would tell my younger self to extend the same grace that she does to everybody else to herself. That's what I would tell her. That's good advice. Well, you know, people will tell you that they're going through a hard time. And I don't know you, but I, I'll i say me. I'm number one to tell somebody, hey, don't worry about it. You know, you're you're bigger than that. You're going to have a big comeback. You know, you this is just a, a, a minor setback for a major comeback, right? Meanwhile, I didn't extend myself that same grace to know, to be that kind to myself. That caused me to bump my head, to have a lot of unhealthy decisions, to keep relationships and people in my life that shouldn't be there. But when I extended myself grace, I was able to grow up a little bit and have a little bit better understanding on how to handle things. And so, yeah. And one more, I would actually add one more thing. I would say, have your boundaries and enforce your boundaries. And you will learn who will respect you or who respects you based on how they respect your boundaries. Good words of advice. So what would you tell your younger self? You over here getting all my tea. (laughs) (laughs) I would mm, tell myself similar, but to not be not be so hard on myself as far as I'm Miss Perfectionist, Miss Type A. It's like everything has to be perfect. And it's like I stress myself out trying to be this perfect person. And I would tell myself to kind of relax. I mean, be the best you can, but relax and enjoy the journey and stop stressing out about everything. Ooh, that's powerful. That's powerful. Because IG will have you out here thinking... You got to live your best filtered life. (laughs) Filtered. (laughs) That's so true. You've been asking me questions. So I just want to let my listeners know that Dominique also has a podcast. Tell me about your podcast and your blog. And she has a clubhouse, which is how I met her. Um, Tell me about all your endeavors. I know that's so cool how like you just meet people in like these ways that you would never think about. But yes, we did meet on Clubhouse. I have, well, my husband and I, we are the host of the Runner's Lounge. We're also the, I guess, creators of the Runner's Lounge. And we have a room, which is two rooms, which are coming back. They are Sundays at 3 p.m. and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. And we also have our podcast, which is the Grow Up Wild podcast. 
the name comes from the fact that I believe everybody has a story and I always want to get past the surface story, right? Everybody has like that more to it. Like, you know, when you go out in the wilderness, you don't know what you're going to get. And I think when you really start talking to people, you start figuring out who they really are. So it's the podcast Grow Up Wild. And then we have our page, which is Leaning with the Kings, which we have our vlog on. We'll have our voice vlogs. I don't even know what you would call that. What would you call it? Audio blog? Yeah. That's okay. Like audio audio blog. blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just doing stuff. Yes. Great stuff. And I, I can't wait to listen to it. Sometimes I want to know what a man thinks because me and relationships, that's a whole nother story. But I want to know, <laughs> no, to the you know what? That's man. funny because when I started incorporating Ken on the page more, because he's a very private individual, the response has been amazing because people want to hear men's voices mm-hmm. and men want to hear men's voices. So you're not alone. Any last minute words of advice for my listeners? I guess all I would say is walk authentically. Everything that I do, I leave with two things. And I say this all the time is find your dirt and connect. And more importantly, be well, you're worthy. And when I say find your dirt and connect, that means find something that centers you where you can connect with yourself, your authentic self, not what you present to other people, not what you present on social media. When you go home and you look in the mirror, be authentic to that person because that person is like the most awesome person around. There's only one of you, right? And then be well, you're worthy. You deserve it. I don't think a lot of people think they deserve things or they don't feel worthy of things. Mm -hmm. And it's not a sense of entitlement to feel like you're worthy of happiness, that you're worthy of peace, that you're worthy of joy that you're worthy of just living a healthy and balanced life. You are. The essence of you is is worthy of all of that. So find your dirt and connect. And more importantly, be well. You are worthy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will leave all of your links to everything you're doing in the show notes so people can find you. All right. Well, thank you for having me. This was pretty cool. That wraps up. This episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, Please email Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Run It Is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love, OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again. <laughs>